Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. Football season is officially in full swing. All of your odds, bets, props, and parlays are available with betonline.ag. Use our promo code BLEAV50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. afternoon or good night however and whenever it is you may be listening thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the take it easy podcast live on the believe podcast network except it isn't live because it is as always a podcast except not always because sometimes it's on youtube this one's not on youtube but sometimes it's on youtube welcome in everybody it is tuesday september 13th according to my count it may not be that according to your count but we appreciate you stopping in however and whenever it is you may be listening. We have got a fantabulous show coming at you today. Blake Jude and I recorded a uh, a take it e- a stripe hype after dark podcast, shall we say. This would uh, be our traditional college football Monday except this time around we are doing it on a Tuesday just because that's how the cookie crumbled in terms of recording schedules. We are going to talk college football on a Tuesday, which is the whole purpose of Wired Up, which we did talk about Wired. We did have a Wired Up this week. It was exclusively Bama and Texas because I thought that game had a bunch of interesting storylines. So check out Wired Up, check out NFL Monday, and enjoy us recapping the chaotic college football Saturday here today, talking about Marshall getting... $1.2 million to whoop that ass on Notre Dame for Blake Jude's Marshall Thundering Herd and Blake Jude's Kentucky Wildcats' hometown team putting up a stinker on Florida, which I still can't believe Florida has now gone three years now. Florida has lost three times, has lost to Kentucky twice in the last three years and three times in the last five years. It's been a rough stretch for Florida against Kentucky after Kentucky didn't beat them for 25 years. And now Kentucky's good at football, and they beat Florida about half the time and twice in Gainesville. So Blake Jude will celebrate that. He's going to chase Hawaii and Michigan late on a Saturday night, and we'll bring it to you on a Tuesday because that's how we do this whole podcast thing over here. So we'll get to that in a sec. First off, I want to talk about, before we do that, I want to talk about two things. One, we're just going to briefly acknowledge here and then kick down the road for either Wednesday or Thursday. Um, I just want to point out something funny that happened on our NFL Monday podcast, which was I recorded that in the break in between the end of the afternoon games and the start of Sunday Night Football. 
And I said on the broadcast, eh, if something interesting happens in Tampa and Dallas, we'll get to it down the road. But we didn't have that in our NFL Monday pod. Well, lo and behold, Dak Prescott broke his thumb and is out six to eight weeks. And I thought that was a cruel, ironic twist of fate that all of a sudden we were doing this NFL Monday podcast where I was like, if something interesting happens in Tampa and Dallas, we're going to get around to it later. And lo and behold, the entire Dallas Cowboys season got thrown into flames because Dak Prescott's going to be out for half the year. And uh, I is Kellen, Kellen Mond, I think, is their backup at this point. The, the Cowboys... Don't is it Cooper Rush still? I don't even know. Dallas Dallas does not have a backup quarterback, and their entire team was predicated on Dak being available for them as the seventh highest paid quarterback. Yep, it's Cooper Rush. That's not going to end well for the Cowboys. The entire offense of the Dallas Cowboys was predicated on Dak Prescott being a stud for them, and the Dallas Cowboys throwing the ball for 350 yards a game, scoring in the 30s, winning about half their games, but beating up on bad opponents because they do have a pretty good defense. Defense held Tampa to only 19 points in the game. It's just now the entire Cowboys season has been thrown into limbo because Dak Prescott's going to be out for half the season. And by the way, we already saw what happens when Dak Prescott goes out for half the season. This is basically the same Cowboys team sub in Micah Parsons instead of Demarcus Lawrence I know Demarcus Lawrence is still on the team but back then I think it was 2020 Demarcus Lawrence was the dominant edge rusher that was getting a five-year hundred million dollar contract now he's an average NFL player uh, and Micah Parsons is the stud on the Cowboys defense so Cowboys have a solid defense and in 2020 Dak Prescott broke his leg in week four against the New York Giants and missed the rest of the season. And the Dallas Cowboys, with a rotating panel of Cooper Rush and Garrett Gilbert, and uh, I forgot who else was, uh, there was another Cowboy quarterback in there who I'm forgetting. But the, the Dallas Cowboys basically ended up 6-10, and 10, and they got a high enough draft pick to select Micah Parsons. And we've seen this formula happen before. They went 6-10. and 10, after losing Dak in week four and with a bunch of backup quarterbacks and a rookie C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper being the high-paid wide receiver that he was. I think that was year one of Amari Cooper's contract. Um, Amari and Zeke and Tony Pollard's rookie year and C.D. Lamb as a rookie, but now you slide in C.D. Lamb as the Amari Cooper type player. The Cowboys went 6-10, and ten, so I assume that without Dak Prescott for half the season, that will be the fate of the Dallas Cowboys and that the Philadelphia Eagles will, in fact, win the NFC East, which I was skeptical about at the start of the season, and now looks like Philadelphia is going to win that division by default. Philadelphia looked kind of good. The Jalen Hurts rushed for 17 carries for 90 yards, which was the entire Arizona Cardinals rushing game against the Kansas City Chiefs, if you count all of the Cardinals running backs and Kyler Murray. That's basically equal to what Jalen Hurts did rushing the football. Eagles look good. And Philadelphia is probably going to waltz away to winning the NFC East, get either the three or the four seed, and lose in the wild card to the Rams. The second thing that I wanted to talk about today involves us hitting that music because it happened on Sunday after we finished recording with Blake Jude. We alluded to it in the middle of the show that we were doing, but we also didn't get the official news coming in until Sunday, so we're going to need some music to talk about this. My corn makes life looking up at this corn. 
He cussed, kicked the corn, saying, son, it's way too cold. Corn up in the city, the corn man, corn lanes. But where I'm corn from, corn is a good thing. Corn makes corn, corn makes corn, yeah. Corn makes my baby feel a little corn, yeah. Bogging up my corn pile up in my truck We corn our honeys down We take them in the corn Start washing all our corn down the drain Corn is a good thing Corn is a good thing That means we're either talking about Nebraska or Iowa And I would love to talk about both And uh, I think we might have to set up a trip on a to spend Thanksgiving in Iowa this year because Iowa and Nebraska I, I say it every year it's not Black Friday unless Iowa and Nebraska are playing a meaningless football game at nine in the morning for some weird reason because college football takes advantage of no NFL on Black Friday and everyone on vacation by putting college games on that Friday and for some reason on Fox Sports 1 at 9 a.m. Every Friday, every Black Friday, Nebraska plays Iowa because that's that regional rivalry the last week of the season that they made up 10 years ago when Nebraska joined the Big Ten. Iowa put up seven points against Iowa State. Iowa has put up 14 points in two games and they are almost 2-0 and as a football team. It's the most ridiculous thing ever because Iowa is on pace, if the season were to end today, to break every single record for fewest offensive yards gained and pretty close to the fewest point total in the history of college football. It's confirmed by the shutdown forecast that Iowa would break every FBS record for fewest yards in a season if they were to keep up this pace for the entire year, which they obviously aren't. The fact that they've played two games in which they've gone for under 170 yards of offense is impeccable. If Iowa were to play all 12 games this season, averaging the yards that they would have, they'd finish with 1,895 yards of offense, which is less than Cooper Cup had last season alone for the Los Angeles Rams. Iowa is just ridiculous. But we are here to talk about Nebraska. That was the the team that the song was played for because Nebraska did the funniest thing this weekend. So you'll hear Blake, Jude, and I talk about it where we're recording on that Saturday night. Nebraska lost to Clay Helton and Georgia Southern. I found Clay Helton. He's at Georgia Southern, apparently. For those who don't know, Clay Helton was the head coach at USC for the last seven years, won a Rose Bowl, and no one ever thought he was a good coach. And now he's at Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern in the Sun Belt beat Nebraska, and Scott Frost got fired the next day by the University of Nebraska. And what makes it even funnier is that Scott Frost's buyout was $15 million. If they had waited until... After October 1st, which for those who don't know, October 1st is the deadline for players to enter the transfer portal and not lose a year of eligibility. So after week four of the season, you can transfer, or I guess after week five in this case, after week five, you can transfer and, or sorry, before week five, you can transfer from a college football team and you won't lose a year of eligibility. You, you just take basically a redshirt year and transfer to another school, and you still have three, four years of eligibility depending on when you transfer. 
you would just take a red shirt year. And I think you still get your, your one transfer without sitting out a year if you take that. So you can basically transfer twice because you're taking the red shirt year. But if Scott Frost had made it past that point where players were going to ha- maintain a year of eligibility, his buyout would have gone down to $7 million. So they go from $15 million to $7 million on Scott Frost's buyout if they wait until after October 1st to fire him. And they lost to Georgia Southern coming up on a game against Oklahoma, and they just said, nah, we're just going to fire him now. We'll take the $8 million L instead of waiting two more games. Two games that are being played against, I believe, Maryland and Oklahoma. They said, we can't let this man stand in front of that home crowd again against Oklahoma and get absolutely destroyed. We're going to take the $8 million L, which, that again, players are not getting compensated in college football. Okay, labor is not labor is unpaid in college football, or you know, according to Drexel University in 2017, labor is making the equivalent of 16 cents on the dollar compared to what they make for the universities themselves. Labor is being exploited in college football, and eight million dollar buyouts because Nebraska has a ton of money. They just took $8 million extra dollars and told Scott Frost to go away two weeks early. And it's a strategic play because players can take redshirt years still, and Nebraska can like take the L this year and then reset the program next year. USC took the L last year and went 4-8 and eight and had a shitty recruiting class, but it made it easier for the incoming coach to recruit because they had already taken the L and all the players had transferred and all that stuff. So there is a strategic advantage I just don't know if it's worth $8 million. And I guess it is to Nebraska because they just took the $8 million L two weeks early and fired Scott Frost. When everyone knew Scott Frost was going to get fired, he had a 15-31 and 31 record in his time at Nebraska. Didn't make a single bowl game in four seasons. And I just, I'm surprised that they fired him when they did. Just the emotional decision of $8 million bleep it will just go to a rich donor and they'll pay the extra buyout so that it doesn't come directly from the university. Is absolutely insane math that college football has. But Nebraska took the hell and fired Scott Frost two weeks early in order to save $8 million. By the way, a clause that was negotiated into his contract last season, they totally restructured Scott Frost's contract because at the end of last year, Nebraska went, I think, 4-8, and eight, but they had like seven one-score losses. And it was one of those weird situations where Nebraska knows they can't do better than Scott Frost and Scott Frost can't do better than Nebraska, so they like come together and negotiate a new contract. It's basically what Jim Harbaugh did two years ago at Michigan and then made it to the college football playoff and got a 10-year extension. Jim Harbaugh was basically like, I want to go to the NFL. No NFL team wants me. Michigan's like, we want a new coach, but we can't do better than Jim Harbaugh, so we're just going to come together and he's going to take a pay cut. And they were just going to continue marching along the way they did, and then they beat Ohio State last year and all that stuff. And uh, Nebraska was basically that team this year where they're like, we want to fire him, but we can't get a better coach. Scott Frost is like, I can't leave, so we just got to come together and be sad together for a season. And then it ended with Scott Frost getting $15 million to leave the University of Nebraska. Absolutely stupid college football math 
and the chaos of Nebraska continues as Nebraska has not made a bowl game since 2016. They have fallen further than any program in college football, I might argue. Looking up at this corn He cuss, kick the corn Saying, son, it's way too cold Corn up in the city The corn man corn blames But where I'm corn from Corn is a good thing Corn makes corn Corn makes corn Corn makes my baby Feel a little corn What's going on? Oh, almost there. That explains a lot. I'm sorry. What's going on? Yes. <laughs> I agree for a minute. <laughs> What's going on? I need to I need to sit back and breathe because I have taken a minimum of like ten sprints around my house today. Uh, ten? I'm doing ten fantastic sprints? though. Over under it's playing the over, I'm not gonna lie to you. Uh I, I've been I've been freaking out and I literally did not even realize until like just now that my parlay was still hitting. I had completely forgotten about it. And I looked back today just to see if I lost everything and I did not. So as long as Michigan and Hawaii hit the under. Uh, I'm going to uh, make uh, $200, and I'm going to also get to enjoy a Wildcat victory over the Gators and my, of course, alma mater, Marshall, over Notre Dame. <laughs> what in the world has happened this week? <laughs> yeah, this is a uh, this is a classic moment of uh, college football working in your favor and turning into a degenerate because you are uh, chasing Hawaii at 11.30 p.m. on a Saturday night, which is... Uh, <laughs> The official welcome. I know they're playing in Michigan. There was like a weather delay, but this is your official welcome into the college football degenerate world. Yeah, this is this is where I kind of get worried about myself because I know that this is going to turn into me being a gambling addict down the road. Um, or at the <laughs> very least, I'm you investing fun. heavily in a Houston, Texas Tech double overtime game, which is entertaining, but also <laughs> one that you should not be craving a point spread for. Yeah, no, nah, yeah, that's true. I, you know, what's funny, I actually was trying to be safe. I had two of the same parlays. I had one of them that had Houston money line and had one of them that had Texas Tech covering the spread. Of course, neither of them hit, okay? So that was a really rough start, but it's okay because I'm making up for it. I'm going to double my money basically this week uh, if I hit this last parlay. So I'll be okay. It's just, it was kind of funny how that all ended up turning out. Um, but man, like, I mean, all around college football today, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you, I have had three screens open at all times my phone my computer my tv i've turned channels everything i've watched a lot of games uh today i called off work and everything i'm supposed to work today and i'll be honest i didn't work but literally i I had to watch all the college football today i watched tennessee play Pitt, which is a great game i watched uh alabama and texas which was a fantastic game i'm sure we'll talk about uh whenever we get the chance of course um i I saw of course notre dame marshall of course saw um, I'm watching USC. Uh, I was watching USC uh, uh, Stanford earlier. 
Um, <laughs> I've been watching a bunch of games today, and this has been an overall like blast. I had to get one of my Pac-12 games in, which is why I tuned into the uh, uh, USC Arizona game or well, the Stanford game. Excuse me. This is our live watch party because live we have our. Uh, it's not. It's the closest we're going to get to a battle of Maroon Five and Five because we have Mississippi State against Arizona live as we record this at oh, there eight we go. p.m. or eight thirty p.m. West Coast time and midnight East Coast time. We got Mississippi State at our beloved Arizona. Arizona Wildcats, who, of course, we will be going to watch on November 5th in Salt Lake City against Utah, who I think won by like 70 points today. But uh, yeah, let okay, let's do your teams first. Marshall in Kentucky, while I live on the podcast, try and figure out how much money Nebraska paid Georgia Southern for the ass whooping that uh, Georgia Southern put on Nebraska. Yeah, so I mean. One, I got a friend who's a Nebraska fan, and I, I would like to send my apologies. Uh, and because uh, I, I know that sometimes he does listen to this podcast, I would like to send my condolences to you and your uh, program. Very, very sorry to hear Scott Frost <laughs> and all that turning out. But oh my gosh, uh, yeah, do you man. know? Do you know the case of what's going on with Scott Frost right now? Do you know the the story behind his buyout? Uh, not heard of it. Okay, so if Scott Frost gets bought out. Bef- or I guess after week six, Scott Frost's buyout goes from $14 million down to $7 million. So Nebraska could fire him tomorrow, or they could save $7 million and force his ass to keep coaching for the next three weeks, a three-week stretch <laughs> that I believe includes the University of Oklahoma and the University of Michigan on their schedule. Which is crazy. There's a real chance that Nebraska is starting out with one of the, I mean, it's almost like a repeat of last year, right? I mean, like Nebraska was a team that everyone thought could be a pretty solid team. Everyone thought there was a chance that, hey, Nebraska's can probably make up for it this year and end up improving this year, everything like that. And I mean, we've seen their team has not looked that bad. I mean, it happens every year, but Nebraska has a pretty good football team all around. Whenever you you look at their bottom, their, their roster top to bottom, there are talented players. I've been impressed with their quarterback at certain times throughout this. Uh, these last few weeks, he's looked good. Of course, that first week against Northwestern, uh, I was actually in Cincinnati at the time. Uh, ended up taking that loss there, which which was uh, pretty heartbreaking to uh, uh, Northwestern, of course. And then, I mean, now it's just it's gotten even worse. And I mean, they they take the fall of the Georgia Southern, of course, by three. I mean, one and two now in the season, right? And I mean, the one well, game if you could pencil it was, in as one and three. They got Oklahoma next week, so one and right. three. <laughs> Yeah, right. I mean, and, and honestly, I mean, the North Dakota game wasn't even that much of a blowout either. North Dakota gave them a football game up until the last quarter, of course. I mean, that was a, I believe that was tied entering the fourth, actually. Um, it was so, it like, was Nebraska, tied. It was 17 to 17 with two minutes to go in the third quarter. It was yeah, tied yeah. with two minutes left in the third. I watched a little bit of the game, but uh, I didn't catch all of it because there's a lot of other footballs watching as well. But yeah, I mean, all around just very unexpected it's just not been a good start for nebraska i mean it's not it's not that they're struggling putting up points necessarily they have been able to put up points they put up 28 against northwestern they put up of course 38 against north dakota they put up 42 today against georgia southern their defense has been struggling they cannot stop anyone on the field right now on defense and that is a big concern for the nebraska court huskers who i think like i said have a load of talent all around like casey thompson's a guy that i am very high on he had what it says here, he has 318 passing yards today. I mean, again, I didn't watch the game, so I can't really go into full detail of how I thought it was. That it would be something I probably will watch in the future if I do. Well, probably not, actually. I won't lie. 
but it, that could be a game that maybe in the future I watch if I so choose. But um, yeah, I mean, Casey Thompson's been a very solid player. I watched that Northwestern game. I saw his plays. So it just it just kind of blows me away that this team is still finding ways to lose. And I think it all just goes back to the Scott Frost and the, and the coaching job he's done there, which has just been completely, I think, flipped on its head and, and uh, is just confusing. Because this is a guy that I think a lot of people were really high on entering in for Nebraska. They thought that this guy could turn their program around and help them. Um, they had, like I said, again, a very, very stacked roster. Anthony Grant's a fantastic running back. Casey Thompson, a very good receiver. They got that wide receiver, Marcus Washington, who's been uh, pretty solid the last couple of weeks. Uh, Trey Palmer, the other wide receiver. They have a lot of really solid players on this roster who have all been making plays. This team just cannot find a way to win a football game. And it's kind of sad, but, I mean, it is what it is. Um, you know, this is another really struggling year for Nebraska, unfortunately. Yeah, it's over for Scott Frost. And and part of the problem is yeah. that Nebraska is Nebraska. It's like, if you if you are not an exceptional program, what's the point of going to Nebraska in the first place? And yeah, usually week zero is the week we get to mock Nebraska, but Nebraska lost. And uh, the answer to the question is $1.5 million. $1.5 million that Nebraska paid to Georgia Southern for Georgia Southern to beat them. Not that their program wasn't already derailed beforehand, but for it to become painstakingly clear that Nebraska might be the worst team in the Big Ten West. And that's really saying something because Northwestern <laughs> lost to Duke today. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, really, really rough game. I mean, that, that was another thing. I mean, going back and watching the Northwestern play, I thought everyone kind of came out of that week zero game between Northwestern and Nebraska thinking, hey, maybe this Northwestern team's a little underrated. Well, Duke just looked like a far better team today. And let me keep, let me tell, like, remind you, it's Duke. It's Duke football. This is a really bad football team. This is not a team that needs to win four or five games this season, right? They're a really bad football team. So clearly Northwestern is not nearly as good as what we might have thought in the first place. Well, Nebraska lost that team and then turned around and just, just lost to Georgia Southern too. So not the best look for, for them right now, obviously. And it, it is kind of unfortunate because, I, like I said, I got a good friend of mine who's a Nebraska core and Huskers fan. I, I do like a lot of their players. I really do. I think this is a fun team. I think this is a team that could have made a good story had they came back and, and outdone what they did last year going, I believe, what, 2-10 and 10, uh, and, and having a plus point differential, which was crazy. I mean, this is a team that has all the talent in the world and they just have not put it together because of coaching. So I totally agree with you. This needs to be the end of Scott Frost. I absolutely think this buyout is necessary. Uh, I'm not too sure how much the money matters to Nebraska, so maybe they do wait until week six. But I think the sooner you do it, the better, in my opinion, because you just need to get a new guard in there, hopefully a new regime, a new reset, because this has almost been worse than their previous coach. So it's it's just been a mess. Yeah, the money matters more to Nebraska now. They just lost $1.5 million right. to Georgia yeah. Southern for right. losing that game on the schedule, which um, it, in reference to Duke, Duke lost to Georgia Tech last year. That's yeah. how bad Duke is. Duke went 0-8 <laughs> in conference play last year. <laughs> and they have yeah. a brand new coach, and it doesn't matter at all because Duke is terrible. And they beat Northwestern, who beat Nebraska, and Nebraska lost to Georgia Southern. And uh, Clay Helton... Yes, Clay Helton is at Georgia Southern. I just... I found him. We found Clay Helton. After, <laughs> you know who else? Shout out. You know who else I found yesterday when I was uh, I was at work and I was watching the uh, the Boise State New Mexico game just because uh, work you can put three TVs on because I work at a radio station and sitting at the desk on a Friday night calling Mountain West football from the studio was Tom Herman 
And it just, <laughs> no way. just made me so sad. That man won a sugar bowl three years ago. Now he's working wow. Friday nights on CBS sports network. Falling off. Wow. That is heartbreaking. That's crazy. That's kind of cool. You found him. That's, that's crazy. I haven't even thought about Tom Herman in a minute. So, wow. Yeah. It is crazy. He's doing, he's doing the job we thought Urban Meyer was going to get after getting fired right. by the Jaguars. <laughs> yes, exactly. And now Urban okay. Meyer is over. Uh, we're, doing, we're doing the thing where we, uh, we, we go off tangent because we think we have two hours, but we're doing this quickly. <laughs> so Marshall and Kentucky, your two programs, the greatest college football weekend of your lifetime. Um, <laughs> Marshall didn't just beat Notre Dame. They kicked Notre Dame's ass at the end of that game. Like they outscored them like 21 to three at the end of that game. It was bad for Notre Dame. And they did it at Notre Dame without their best player. <laughs> what in the world happened? Like Notre Dame completely fell apart. I was just shell shocked, honestly. I, I literally turned on the game and. I'll be honest. I mean, I'm a, I'm a Marshall fan. I've been a Marshall fan, but I think it's pretty obvious that I've always been more of a Kentucky fan than a Marshall fan because it's always been a team I've grown up to, to knowing and, and playing uh, and watching play, of course. Um, but at the same time, I'm a Marshall fan. This is a game that, funny story, I actually had the opportunity to do this game on radio uh, about a year ago. They asked me if I would end up doing the Notre Dame-Marshall game. Um, I, I said yes at first. My answer had changed because – Life kind of hit me. I'm trying to work. I'm trying to work towards moving to Cincinnati, obviously. So I was working full time. I wasn't able to do radio before. I actually had the chance to go and do this game on radio. And I know that sounds not real, but I swear on everything. I had a chance to do it. And, you know, I kind of hate that I didn't take it now uh, in hindsight, of course. But, um, yeah, man, what a game. It was absolutely crazy. I mean, Micah Abraham, the, the safety on Marshall was had some really big key turnovers. Stephen Gilmore, the brother Stephon Gilmore, shout out, uh, is a guy that I've talked to multiple times. He's a really nice guy, loves his brother. He talks about his brother all the time. Well, he has a game-sealing pick six against Notre Dame to steal the win for Marshall, which was insane, just absolutely crazy. Um, shout out to, to Huff, the, the head coach, Charles Huff, who has been a – I mean, has gotten a lot of hate, I think, over the last couple of years because of how successful – uh, Coach Holiday was with Marshall in the previous years, and people really didn't understand why they'd move on from him and go to Huff. But Huff has turned this program into a team that's now going to be ranked this season. Again, without their best player, Rasheem Ali, who is their starting running back, I would argue he's a top 10 running back in college football right now. He's out. He's not, he's been hurt. He's been having, or not hurt, excuse me, he's been having some mental uh, health problems, and he's been taking a step back from football. So, not even having your best player and turning around and doing what you did against Notre Dame, not just winning, like you said, they dominated. This was a better team. Marshall looked better than Notre Dame today. Um, I, I was just completely shocked. I saw, you know, Michael Mayer had a couple of really good grabs. I know Notre Dame's quarterback uh, had a, a two rushing touchdowns. I want to say he got hurt, so the backup had to come in later on. Um, but at the same time, I mean, this was still a, a Notre Dame team that just looked outmatched all game. Notre Dame scores a touchdown. Marshall turns right back around, answers it right back, and takes the lead. It was just a crazy turn of events for for the Thundering Herd, and a couple of really big key turnovers uh, really kind of sealed the win uh, for Marshall. I mean, it was it was a shocking experience. Um, my my stepdad um, is a huge Marshall Thundering Herd fan. I know that he's out camping right now, but I was trying to send him some texts because I know that was probably the best day of his life was today because he you know it's a, a massive win for Marshall. I think everyone around the area. I mean, I, I live right next to campus. I think everyone's going crazy right now. Uh, this is probably the best one in Marshall's history um, in terms of what it means to this program, and especially the fact that this can help so much in not only 
you know, the fact that they got paid a lot of money to play this game, but this can also really help in recruiting. I mean, we just watched a backup running back, um, Kalen Laybourne, uh, who is a, a fantastic player that I have not even really talked to or heard of until this moment, uh, turn around and have 163 rushing yards against Notre Dame. I mean, just a magical day that no one saw coming. Um, I bet Marshall plus 20 and a half, thinking that I would – you know, hit on that because I was like, Marshall can keep this game pretty close. I had no expectations that they would win this game or even come close to winning this game as much as they did. That was a wild experience for me. And then Kentucky? Yeah, I mean, Kentucky, th- this game was a little odd. I mean, I, I kind of went into this game with lower expectations, honestly, than Marshall, which is kind of funny. Um, Anthony, Richardson's <laughs> been one of the, Anthony Richardson's been one of the hottest quarterbacks uh, in college football the last the last week, of course, after what he did against Utah, uh, going against the seventh-ranked Utah team in the nation, a team that just took Ohio State to the limit in the Rose Bowl and pretty much dominated them, dominated the number seventeen, the number seven team in the country at home. Uh, I, I went into this game. I mean, this is a Kentucky team that's good. Will Levis is a good quarterback. Their offensive line has really struggled the last uh, last week against Miami, Ohio. So I had some pretty low expectations. I know Florida has a really strong defensive front. I know this team can score points whenever necessary. What I did not expect to happen was for Anthony Richardson to go three for thir- thirteen for thirty one <laughs> with two picks, right? No touchdowns. Three, 13 for thirty one. Keep that in mind. Like that is a horrible stat line. Two interceptions. Miss throws all night. Was never in sync with this offense. Threw a huge pick six to get Kentucky to lead. Kentucky even had a safety. They had a bobbled snap that missed uh, that missed a field goal. Uh, they had another missed field goal. They had so many blunders in this game, but Florida just managed to out blunder Kentucky in the long run. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that Florida lost this game because I definitely thought Kentucky looked great, but I also think there's a lot of a lot of plays this game that went in Kentucky's favor, which hasn't really happened a lot in the history of Kentucky and Florida in terms of rivalries. Um, at the end of the at the end of the day, though, Kentucky really got settled in. Cavassier smoked their backup running back, who is uh, replacing Chris Rodriguez right now, suspended. Um, looked great in the second half, running behind the offensive line. And you know, those guys like Britton Cox came up and made some big plays for for Florida. Trey Dean had a couple of really great plays. They got that big number twenty one. I forgot his name, but that dude was a mammoth. Um, they got a really couple solid big players in the defense that gave them some life and gave them some great plays. But at the end of the day, Anthony Richardson did not move the ball, especially in the second half, did not move the ball. And I know a lot of people said, hey, Anthony Richardson is going to be that third best quarterback in the NFL draft this year. Well, I want it to be known. I was against that. I never thought he was going to be that third guy. I know Stroud and Bryce Young are, are great. I've been saying that they're, they're one and two. I've been saying Levis is three. And there might be bias. I'm not going to lie to you. I try to keep bias out of scouting. There might be but bias, who needs but bias definitely... when Kentucky just whooped up on the Florida right. Gators for the third time in five years? Right. Who needs bias whenever I was just proved right? You know, we'll let yeah. us out late, Anthony Richardson. Because Kentucky is better than Florida now. Right. I mean, it is a great day. We're going to see Kentucky in the top 15 in the country probably after this week. We're going to see Marshall might be ranked. Like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Who does Kentucky play next week? Who's, who's the letdown Youngstown game next week? Youngstown okay. State. They'll win that one. Who's the Go next letdown ones. game? Northern uh, Illinois. <laughs> and that is, oh, that would be a hell of a letdown game, but they'll probably win that one too. It's coming at some point for Kentucky, but they'll get to be in the top After 15 that. for a bit. Yeah, at Ole Miss is going to be that letdown game. That's going to be a tough game. Jackson Dart, right. good quarterback. Rat-a-tat-tat a few things here before we go. Uh, 
we have, a, I think we've officially found, you know, how every year we have the group of five team that we rally around, whether it's coastal Carolina or UCF or Western Michigan yes. or UTSA, whoever it is. Meet, meet. Yeah. Meet, meet motherfuckers, UTSA and uh, <laughs> UTSA is going to beat Texas next week. And it's going to be so funny. It's going to be so <laughs> funny when UTSA beats Texas after what Texas did with Bama today. Um, yeah, I just, yeah. I just lost Quinn Ewers. So I'm not putting, I'm not getting past it. Everyone overreacts. This happens week one and week two. Overreactions happen all the time. And that was the one saving grace I had for Florida, Kentucky. Florida looked really good. Kentucky did not look very good in their week one games. I said, hey, it's always possible that week one was just a fluke. Maybe it was all just a week one overreactions. And look what happened. It did happen. So I Who overreacts to week one? Me, who's, who kind of retracted his statement that Marcus Freeman was not the great hire for Notre Dame back in December and saying that the model of hiring coaches <laughs> to just keep the program together doesn't work. Me, who basically backtracked on being absolutely correct about Notre Dame a week too early. Yeah, that, that was me overreacting to week one. And now I get to take the L because... Because I switched to I switched without enough evidence. That's on me. Uh, yeah, I overreacted to that one. But you know what wasn't an overreaction? Appalachian State, because they are our team right. this year, baby. App State is <laughs> I just I just wish they could have beaten North Carolina because God, yeah. how fun would that team be if they had wins against North Carolina and Texas A&M and they ran through the Sun Belt only to lose to Clay Helton and Georgia Southern for some weird reason? You know, it's ironic and, and the same parlay that I ended up missing anyway, so it, it didn't matter in the, at the end of the day. But I also had Texas A&M covering because my thought process was, hey, everyone thinks App State's a good team because they just took UNC to the limit. They're not that good. They're going to lose Texas A&M, who is a real football team. But clearly, that was wrong. Clearly, that was <laughs> number wrong. one recruiting class. Number one right. recruiting class. They went into Texas A&M and also impressively beat them. I mean, it was it was the complete opposite of what the North Carolina game was, which was like what fifty six to 55, 56, 54, like 63-61. They gave up yeah. sixty three points to North Carolina, and Texas A and M scored four. <laughs> 14. against App State. Yeah. And by the way, that 14, seven of them came on a kickoff return for touchdown. They scored seven points on offense. Texas A&M did seven goddamn points on offense. Mind blowing. I mean, that shocked me. I, I had no, I would have never guessed that Texas A&M would only put up 14 points at home. I think total in the game, uh, if I'm reading this correctly, 170, sorry, excuse me, 184 six yards of total offense for Texas A&M uh, on the day, which is just mind-blowing. I've seen Oh, i got a number I, for I you. You know what that's like equal to? You know what that's equal to? That's the total number of yards that South Dakota State had against Iowa last week. They scored three points in that game. And Texas A&M Mind couldn't blowing. put up that many against an App State team that gave up nine touchdowns to a not-very-good North Carolina team. And, and you know, I mean, App State... I, I would argue this wasn't their best game either. Like, App State gave them a lot of opportunities and a missed field goal earlier in the game, I believe. Uh, they had a turnover on downs, I think, as well. I mean, they and, and I think that they gave them a lot of opportunities to turn around. Seven and score. points. Texas AM had That's seven it. points. That is it. And they have a star running back right now, Devin Akane, who I know is uh, a lot of people are very, very high on. I thought, hey, you know, if everything goes down the drain somehow, just give the ball to your star running back and maybe he can make some plays. Well, 
you know, he had 10 rushes on the day for only 66 yards. Uh, just, I mean, it had a pretty good game, it looks like. I just didn't give him enough opportunities, I guess. I don't know if he got hurt. I, uh, that was another game that I, I'll be honest, I haven't watched yet. But I saw the score, uh, and I was shocked whenever it happened. But uh, I'll have to, you know, have to look back and look and see what happens. I, I love to watch football games back again. I watched that one, seven or eight that today, one. but. That one was going on at the exact same time as Marshall. So I was watching yeah. Texas A&M while you were watching Marshall. And speaking yeah. of seven points, Iowa, how about that? <laughs> Spencer Petrus masterclass. Hey, I, I bet Iowa – I'm going to keep going back to my betting because I did a lot of this today, obviously, as you can tell. I had Iowa State plus three and a half. I kind of had a good feeling Iowa State was going to win this game. I was only touchdown, I believe, came off of a – I want to say a fumble – or maybe no no I'm sorry it was a block punt yeah no, I was only touchdown from a block punt so uh it's it's kind ridiculous of funny, and Iowa loves because we didn't even get to we didn't do a pod last week so we didn't even get to talk about seven points without scoring a Iowa has not scored an offensive touchdown this season and they were almost two and oh and that's just Kirk nope. Ferentz's euphoria zero offensive touchdowns and we almost got to two and oh I think it's safe to say, and this is saying a lot because there are a lot of bad offenses in the Power Five. Iowa might have the worst offense in the Power Five, but it's it's they're lucky because they also have a top ten defense, arguably in the Power Five as well. So it keeps them alive in a lot of games. But that is not a good offense. They they have Iowa, Iowa ten points yeah. today, which was a really really impressive feat, and they still lost. That just shows you how bad their their offense is right now. Iowa football has won. Six games in the last, I think it was like the last five years where they have punted more than eight times. The next closest team is two wins. <laughs> Iowa, is... it, it's incredible. It's incredible how that team operates. And it's exactly how they want to play. They want to play. Oh, this brings up the other joke I had about the Big Ten West because Nebraska took the L, Iowa took the L, Wisconsin took the L to Washington State, yep. who might actually win the Pac-12 North somehow. Who is going to win the Big Ten West, and why is it Purdue? Because <laughs> there's no other good team in the in the Big Ten, and it's I mean it's crazy, but you know what? I, it honestly wouldn't shock me with the way everything looks. I was not impressed in the least by uh, Nebraska, or Nebraska, excuse me, Wisconsin today. They did not look good at all. Um, really struggled all around. I, I literally, yeah, the- I literally flipped it to the channel just to watch that game. I literally just flipped the channel, and the moment I see, it, I believe their quarterback throws a, an interception to a defensive lineman. And I'm just like, okay, I'm, I'm changing, changing the channels because I'm not watching that game. That was a pathetic game. Um, yeah, I mean, top to bottom, really, really rough, uh, I guess, couple of weeks for uh, um, for the Big Ten West. But, you know, Minnesota is another team that I think has a good chance of winning that uh, conference, uh, maybe. Uh, <laughs> but it wouldn't shock me. Maybe Purdue does something and pulls a, a bunny well, out of it's the either It's it. either Minnesota, it's Purdue, or it's Brett Bielema. They're the only ones left standing at this point. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, I, Iowa and Wisconsin looked horrible, and we already know Nebraska's out of it. Clearly, Northwestern was, were frauds. No one was really expecting, uh, you know, uh, they did not look to, to be the team we thought they were after the Nebraska game. So, I mean, at the end of the day, who else you got left? Purdue, Illinois. I mean, is that it? That's kind and of, and that's PJ kind of Fleck. PJ Fleck and his $800,000 yes. knife set or whatever it is. I cannot forget about PJ Fleck. Yes. That'll, that'll be a... Uh, 
the that game that's almost not even worth watching uh, that at conference because you, you look at the other side you know Penn State Minnesota or Michigan State excuse me uh, Ohio State Michigan I mean that's a stacked conference so it's almost like the other one doesn't even matter because whoever whoever makes it out of the East is the one that's going to end up being successful it's, it doesn't matter what happens in the West. <laughs> All right, I got to wrap this up with my favorite stat of the entire week, and I sent this to you, that uh, Utah State took $1.5 million to get their ass whooped by Alabama last week, turned around, paid $400,000 to Weber State to come play against Utah State, and Weber State beat them by four touchdowns. <laughs> and, and it's one of my favorite things that happens at the start of college football season, which is who pays programs a shit ton of money to have their entire school's football team derailed. Just like how Notre Dame did for Marshall, just pay him, I think, mm-hmm. $1.25 million, I want to say, just to lose at home. Ridiculous. I mean, <laughs> it's a wild day of college football. Everyone kind of, you know, silently agrees, I think, that college football gets real fun week five, week six, whenever conference play starts. But, man, I'm not going to lie to you. I love week one, week two, week three, because we get to see these games. We get to see these upsets. I want all of this. Give me more of this. I need this every week, please. <laughs> and we didn't even get to talk about Bama and Texas because it was just this blood week in college football. It was fantastic. It was fun. There was also like a seven overtime game with no scoring in it. It was just yeah, Eastern Kentucky. <laughs> yeah. 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 Eastern Kentucky and Bowling. There was a, oh my gosh, it was a fantastic week. And we still have Mississippi State, Arizona, which I'm sure by the time this is over will be four overtimes and both teams will somehow score negative points in one of the overtime periods. I'm going to sit here and sweat out Michigan and, and Hawaii because this game's getting a little uncomfortable for me right now. I'm hoping that they could stay strong and, and end up taking this game to uh, uh, the final because uh, they uh, scored another touchdown. Uh, so now it's 59 points, and they are at the Hawaii 44-yard line with 10 minutes left. So uh, 67 and a half is the line right now. They're currently at 59. So I can have one more touchdown, but no more points. So I'm kind of scared, but I hope that Hawaii can ha- can hang on and uh, keep this game at bay uh, before the, the game before the uh, uh, before the clock runs out. Of course, keep sweating it out. In. Yeah, keep sweating it out so you can cash your two hundred dollar bet. The life of the gambler is beginning for you now. I guess we've got a second. So, did you have anything interesting from Alabama and Texas? Uh, yeah, I mean. Bryce Young, at the end of the day, had his Heisman moment, uh, having missed uh, breaking that huge sack. Uh, by um by Texas and uh, getting that ball down for twenty yard gain to end up getting kicking the game winning field goal that was a crazy good play but man that Texas defense is legit I watched the entire game start to finish and Texas's defense was ready for everything Alabama gave towards them um I'm not gonna lie to you I don't know if it was Texas was really good or Alabama was not good at all there was not much of a gap between those two teams at all I don't know what that means I don't know what's gonna happen but. If Quinn Ewers was playing for Texas, that game's over. That game's a Texas Longhorns victory. We are seeing Georgia being ranked number one in, in the in college football rankings next week. That, that's just happening. And it's crazy to think that a backup quarterback might have been the only reason why they lost. And not to not to, uh, not to slander his name or anything like that, He I thought he played really well. Um, but obviously they were missing a little bit of a beat 
with uh, Quinn Ewers. So uh, I was really shocked and very impressed by Texas' performance. I thought that was a really, really good game start to finish. And it was a, it was a shame that they ended up kicking the field goal at the end. I, I mean, it definitely makes sense to take the points and everything like that. But I thought there was a couple of plays there where they could have been more aggressive and had gone for it a couple of times just to make sure you really seal the deal because Alabama was going to always come back and, and score in some way, right? Uh, so I, I always kind of thought that, hey, try to do everything you can to, to go for it and, and take it all. Um, but they, they played a little too conservative, I think, near the end that Alabama took advantage of it. Jameer Gibbs, our running back, is fantastic. He's going to be a really, really good prospect in the upcoming class. Um, he's a, he's a, he can play receiver. He can play running back. He's a, he's a very, very good talent. And they really, start to, start to finish, were really impressive all around. Michigan just scored a touchdown, of course. So, yeah, it's 65 total points. <laughs> What's the over-under? 67 and a half. So, oh my it'll be God. 66 with a field goal, and no team can score in the last eight minutes. Fingers crossed. Oh, dear God. Oh, dear God. You are in. Oh, my gosh. You need no scoring for eight minutes with the third stringers. This is going to be absolutely brutal. Also, my favorite stat from the entire game, uh, Alabama broke a Nick Saban era 16 year record for penalties and penalty yards. And they accomplished the penalties feat with four minutes to go in the third quarter. And they accomplished yards on the second play of the fourth quarter. Wow. <laughs> they broke the that Saban is... era record for penalties in like two and a half quarters. That is shocking. That is crazy. Like four was, of them were Will Anderson. Game, it was so weird. Was so and, weird. And the last, the last game I did watch that way, I kind of want to shout out a little bit. Tennessee Pittsburgh, really, really fun game. Uh, I bet the over in that game, and overtime almost gave it to me. I needed one Pittsburgh touchdown to get the over. Of course, at the end they miss it. Uh, was really upset to see Caden Slovis go down. That kind of really sucked for them, but uh, Tennessee still looks really impressive. Tillman, their receiver, is fantastic. Hinden Hooker is a really good talent. Uh, Tennessee's got a ball. I got a got a very very good uh, team uh, on their hands, and it's gonna be really fun to watch them play Kentucky down the line. I'm really excited for that. Uh, that's gonna be a really fun game. I'm but, so sad yeah, Tennessee I mean, and Pitt got lost in that madness of the I guess 3:30 year time window. Like that, Wisconsin was happening at the same time. App State, Marshall, uh, all those games were happening, and Tennessee and Pitt kind of got lost in the shuffle. It was it was chaotic. It was fun. And I didn't get to watch a single play of it. And it was it was unfortunate. I, I really wish I could have watched Tennessee have an absolutely Tennessee God moment. And uh, it set up the inevitable disappointment of when they lose to Florida in a couple of weeks, but still give them the the hope of being three and oh and like Kentucky ranked 17th in the country. Yeah, it, it's just it's just been top to bottom a, a wild day in college football and uh, I, I'm just hoping that this last thing stands, and if it does, it's gonna be an amazing day. And we have NFL you get to tomorrow, break even. Sunday. You get to break even and get both of your teams to have all-time victory. I mean, Kentucky's kind of beaten Florida three times now, but there were 20 years where Kentucky never beat Florida one time. But now, in the last five years, they've beaten Florida more than they've lost to Florida, which is pretty incredible crazy i mean stoops just broke bear Bryant's record of most wins that as a kentucky head coach ever at 61 uh so i mean it, it's a new kentucky football program i mean i'm not gonna say this team is gonna you know 
do anything crazy. I still think they're playing for second place in the East. Obviously, this is a fantastic Georgia team. But uh, man, if you can if you can finish this season ten and two, eleven and one, you can mess around and get a New Year's Six game, which I would absolutely love to see. Oh my God, it would be so great to watch Kentucky playing against uh, Clemson in a New Year's Six bowl game. Give it to me. That would be fantastic. That would be fantastic if you even if it's one of the shitty ones because Clemson's going to probably lose like two games this year. Except actually now, now that Texas A&M, Notre Dame, and Wisconsin have lost, we're running out of those like generic fourth playoff teams at this point. So we we kind of we'll we'll play a game later on next like next week or the week after where we pick the fourth playoff team, but we're running out of options at this point. Cause like in my mind, I'm mentally preparing for next week to have like the fifth seed be USC. And then they lose to Fresno state by 14 points next week. It's just where my <laughs> head's at because uh, we we've lost, we've lost Notre Dame. We've lost Texas A&M. We've lost Wisconsin. Everyone's going down fast. All the, the typical, uh, we lost Cincinnati. All the typical fourth playoff teams are going down fast. Yeah, it is. I mean, it, it is. Uh, it's crazy. It's it's wide open right now, you know. And I mean, it looks like Clemson kind of has that fourth spot right now, maybe. But um, excuse me, Michigan. Michigan's definitely got a good chance too. Michigan and I think Clemson have that spot right now. But man, I mean, if another one of those teams lose, it's going to get wide open for some of these other schools. And I would love to see another surprising uh, appearance from another team. We all know Michigan's not going to get it, though. We know this is uh, the, the <laughs> Michigan schedule is always set up where they go seven and zero and then finish nine and three. And I know they were good last year. They don't have a quarterback this year, and they don't have a son Haskins. And there's no way they're not going to lose to like Michigan State in October. Well, if they don't, if they let Hawaii score, if they score themselves in the next seven minutes, I am going to pray on Michigan's downfall, <laughs> big time, because I'm going to be very upset. But aside from that, yes, this I is the life be- we chose, not the life the life we chose of betting Michigan overs <laughs> with a quarterback who has. Oh wow, JJ McCarthy's actually really good. Okay, damn, Michigan. Michigan's offense is totally overwhelming. I was going to make a joke there. I ha- I have no joke. Michigan's offense just looks totally overwhelming by box score watching. <laughs> it looks yeah. like they have the best offense in college football. They look good. I don't know if I'd say they're the best, but they definitely look really good against the Hawaii team that has really struggled this year so far. So, but they also just dismantled. It, but... They uh, they dismantled. Uh, what's their name? Uh, Colorado State last week, which is another one of those like copy paste rosters similar to USC. Like they dismantled yep. Colorado State last week, so they're like outscoring opponents a hundred to like twenty over the first two weeks. I know they're Mountain West teams, but still, right. I am interested in seeing what what happens here with uh, uh Maryland next week. That's going to be a game that I think Michigan still should win, but. I want to see what their defense is made of because Maryland's got a high-powered offense that is capable of putting up a lot of points at times. And I know their offense will probably still end up putting points regardless because Maryland does not have the best of defenses in the world. But I still think that it is a very, very interesting game when it comes to looking at how legit Michigan is as a defense as a whole. Uh, I would love to see if uh, Michigan can pull off that victory uh, in, in a present fashion or if it's a really close game. I, w- I would love to see either way. I'm trying to figure out which is the one Clemson's going to lose. In fairness, Clemson, well, Notre Dame probably, but Clemson could lose one and still be okay. I think that uh, 
Clemson, Clemson might actually be that team. It's them and USC now, which I know both of those teams are prone for upsets, but both of them look really good, actually. I mean, if we, we could throw Michigan in that group, too, it's just that the uh, all the typical tier two programs like A&M and uh, Notre Dame and uh, Wisconsin have now proven to be failures and uh, will not be in the college football playoff running, which in fairness, preseason rankings are kind of like iffy in the first place. It's just yeah. those are the the names we think of when we think of, well, we know Ohio State, Bama and Georgia are in. Who's the last team who we're going to thread into the college football playoff? Hawaii's about to score against Michigan. <laughs> I'm Aww. so sad. I'm so I'm sorry. Doing so well. You can't cash Man. out either. Oh, that's no, so unfortunate. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Uh, it's good. It's been a great week of football. I cannot complain in the least. Uh, very, very happy with what's happened. Uh, yes, this week, and I am very excited for tomorrow. Unfortunately, lost your $150 in free bets. And, uh, <laughs> right, oh. yeah. It's not like I even put really money into it. I, I put a couple of, you know, I put like a 20, I think, into the the, the bets, added on to the 150, but it was all like pretty much free. So I'm not going to complain. <laughs> money is money. I understand. Uh, also, I just figured out that <laughs> we're, we're about. We're about two days away from the possibility of a top 10 ranked Arkansas, and I'm not sure if our reality is ready for this. <laughs> Arkansas was in the top 10 for like five days last year before they got crushed yeah. by Georgia. Uh, yes. I don't think we're ready for three consecutive weeks of Arkansas being ranked in the top 10. It's the classic midseason KJ Jefferson height. I don't know why it happens. It happens each year, it feels like. And we're going to look down the road at week eight, week nine, whenever they play Alabama and be like, oh, yeah, this team's not good. <laughs> yes, it is gross and fun and silly. And I'm so ready for this to happen because Arkansas is going to lose at some point. I'm not sure where, but they're going to finish fourth in the SEC West. But for the time being, let's celebrate them being the only team that didn't lose somehow played two decent opponents and somehow didn't lose this week or in the first two weeks in the chaos of college football, they played Cincinnati and they played South Carolina and still found a way to remain undefeated, which I find uh, worthy of applause. Congratulations, Arkansas for not being a chronic mess up. Right. Uh, I had to keep switching back to the, to the point I was talking about earlier, but um, Hawaii and Michigan, uh, it's first and goal Hawaii. So I'm hoping maybe they try to go for it and on fourth down and maybe don't get it. I'm hoping possibly. I don't know. We'll see. These are but- the dark times. These are the dark times of chasing Hawaii scores and watching as your money slowly yeah. fades away from your pocket. I should have just, I should have just, I, I, I didn't even realize that this bet was still active. Honestly, I, I had kind of forgotten about it because it's like you Florida game, obviously. Uh, I, I don't know if I had the option to cash out before this game started, but I should have taken it if I did because I am kicking myself right now if Hawaii pitches this ball uh, or, or scores any points at all, uh, as a matter of fact. So <laughs> that would really suck. I'm hoping for like a turnover maybe at the end of the game or maybe they go for on fourth and goal and don't get it. I don't know why they would. Uh, I don't know what the upside of doing any of this is right now. Uh, <laughs> there is no upside. Hey. It's sports gambling. You should not be. You right. should go to sleep and wake up and see if you won. You should not be. You're going to the Bengals game in like six hours. You need to like not yes. do this to yourself. Yeah, I know, but like it'd be really cool if I just hit these two hundred dollars real quick. I mean, I, I now that I'm already here, it's two minutes left. I can't just go to sleep with the anticipation because I won't sleep. 
So I, I got to sit here and mess around. Triple and down. Until this game's bet, over. <laughs> once you lose, bet $250 on Arizona down five against Mississippi State. Just triple down on trying to win. Like a, a, a This is your foray into gambling with free bets. It's just triple down, take your money, and bet Arizona against Mississippi State. Right. Yeah, put it all, put it all in. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be very, very funny if I did, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm hoping that maybe uh, Hawaii can just royally screw up somehow, and maybe I can hit this. Uh, just hold on, hold on, while I descend into becoming the internet's foremost Arizona and Utah football podcast. Let us right. uh, <laughs> let us descend into the chaos of Hawaii destroying all of your bets. You, yeah, like what, what the most random team to, to ruin my bets is Hawaii of all teams. Like, what are the odds? Michigan well, you hear timeout. You hear gamblers all the time talk about how Hawaii is the game that they chase at the end of the day because it usually starts at like ten thirty East Coast time. This is kind right. of just a weird coincidence that Hawaii's playing late because they're in Michigan, Michigan. but yeah. there was like a rain delay or something or a lightning delay, so. It's just Hawaii is the classic team that people are chasing at well as as of your time twelve twenty two in the morning on Sunday as you wrap up your bet. <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh. Uh, you know it's been a, it's been a, overall though. I, I, like I said, I cannot complain the least bit. College football is back, and it's been a very very enjoyable and fun time. Uh, See, I was hoping to, I was hoping to cap the podcast with the payout of you losing your bet, but I don't. Th- I think Hawaii is not obliging at this point. Michigan called a timeout trying to see if uh, I don't know if they can get some substitutions in or throw out your first team defense, get a turnover, and then we're good. You know, kneel, kneel the rest out. That's all I need. Uh, just, I just, kneel need the, you just have them go for it just to just for shits and giggles. Have them go for it and then uh, have it end up going your way on the bet. This is why this is what I hate, though. Like, why do teams have to? go out there and, and try to score more points at the end of the game whenever nothing's changing. Like scoring seven here doesn't do anything for Hawaii. Scoring three here certainly doesn't do anything. Like just, you know, take your loss, kneel it out, uh, let me let me have my uh let me have my glory and uh and hit the last bet of the night so that way I can complete the trifecta of of uh the Bengal or excuse me, the Wildcats, the Marshall Thundering Herd, and then my bets all hitting all hitting today. But and uh, the Bengals and bring the Bengals tomorrow. Let's let's right. go for the, the, the sweep. Go no, for I think the I told you this sweep. earlier. I told you this earlier. I'm fully expecting tomorrow for all my luck to just run out. <laughs> and we're gonna see Pittsburgh coming to upset Cincinnati tomorrow. I don't want to call it, but I, I have I, I am worried because normally after a very, very successful college football week, it never really turns out well in the NFL. So I'm hoping that maybe I can get lightning in a bottle and get both of them happening. But, uh, you know, my expectations are not very high. So we will see. We have one final update to bring into the world before we head out on this podcast is that we officially have a Kansas Jayhawk victory on the road in the Big 12 for the second year in a row, we have a 2 and 0 Kansas team. 2 and 0 baby. Kansas beat West Virginia in West Virginia in overtime on a pick six 
going back the uh, pick six in overtime. So Kansas scored a touchdown on the first possession and then West Virginia had to score a touchdown to tie and Kansas got a pick six to end the game. They scored 13 points in a single overtime period and beat West Virginia, who I think is officially the new Kansas because Kansas is going to a bowl game, baby. Kansas is going to a bowl game in 2022. I want to believe that Kansas is now no longer the last place team in the Big 12, but can rise to being the eighth place team in the Big 12. I am here for it. I'm all in. Let, let me uh, let me have it happen. A minute and 20 left, third and goal, Hawaii to Michigan too. I am like, I don't think you understand. Like, I am very anxious. <laughs> I know. I know that feeling. I. It's why I don't gamble. I know that fourth feeling. Fourth and goal. Please go for it. <laughs> They're Bang. going for it. They're going for it. There's no they, reason not to go for it. They keep the field goal earlier. JT Daniels is the quarterback at West Virginia. Oh my God. I feel so bad for that man. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. They are, unfortunately. I think they I, I actually had a, a friend of mine actually works as a uh, West Virginia um, reporter. Uh, and he, he was talking about a quote that he said about James Daniels today that. Uh, I can't remember the exact quote, but it was uh, pretty funny. So if you can go, maybe maybe find that in a little bit. That, that would be uh, that'd be really cool. He said something about like like we're playing soft something like that right now, and we need to you know get it together. I don't remember what it was, but it was a it was a really funny quote that he had. And I was it's unfortunate for West Virginia though, because I thought they were a really solid uh, team this year. After seeing what they did against Pitt, they looked really good, and it looks like they've kind of fallen apart. So. Yeah, losing to Kansas yeah. signals that things are not. You don't even have to pay Kansas to derail your program. Losing at home to Kansas is enough to derail your program in the first place. You don't even have to pay them for that one. Right. Yeah. yeah. So. So I mean, did they make the field goal? Uh, no, it's uh still fourth. I'm, I'm looking at the game cast right now. I'm not watching it live because I don't have the Big Ten Network, uh, unfortunately. But I'm I'm gonna try to keep it up through the game cast and see what happens. Um, and they they are uh. I've gotten a lot of people talking to me because I've been showing them all my bets like that. They're like, are you watching this? this is a bad beat. And I'm like, I know. I know. So I'm holding out that maybe Hawaii can go for it here and not get it. Michigan can get the ball. Mm-hmm. Michigan oh. had 600 oh yards. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Michigan ball. A minute and 20 left. It's going to hit. Yeah, they went hit, for Kyle. it. They what went for day. it. What a day! Oh. You, have to, you have to show the bet so they understand. <laughs> Poor like parlay today. Okay, uh, let's of, read of it off unders. then. Let's let's read off the parlay hit. So we got an under uh, in West Carolina versus Georgia Tech. God, that is chronic gambler shit. <laughs> under but, no, no, but, but look, but look at it. It's sixty four and a half. Right, that's a lot of points. And so I'm like, okay, I'm slamming the under in that game, right? You got so, it, and, and then, Georgia. It's Georgia Tech, no question. I get it. You yeah. nailed it. And, and then Oklahoma can't stay right. Seventy-two and a half is crazy. That is crazy in a parlay. I mean, seventy-two and a half is like Oklahoma would have to put up like sixty points. Even in fairness to Kent that. State, which is a sentence I didn't think I would say when we started this show. <laughs> in fairness to Kent State, they did score thirty points against Washington last week. So it's not like they're a terrible team. They're just not Oklahoma, who also might be the fifth seed in the con- in the country at the end of this week. Yeah. Okay, so then follow it up with FIU and Texas State, which is 
not even good, not even good conference USA football. That's just bad no. conference USA football. Well, again, here's a secret, right? I mean, any game like this that is over 60, like never going to land ever. Why would this ever go over 62 and a half points? You know, so because uh, people uh, always bet overs. There's a science behind this that like most people bet overs. And so people like Vegas juices the overs because no one wants to root for an under. So they they pick over and then it inflates the lines a bit so that because they're trying to get 50 50 bets on both sides. So uh, ironically, Texas State, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Ironically, Texas State and FIU was like the one game that I was most worried about. But this was a difference between w- was like $90, right, to like $190, you know. So clearly this was something that I wanted to take the risk on because at, at the time, I mean, the, the game hadn't started yet. But I know the FIU, I mean, again, I, I have a lot of experience at Conference USA. I, I know FIU's team pretty well. I know they're not a good offensive team. So I figured – if Texas State could just not score 60 points, they should be all right. And it ended up being a pretty close finish. It was 41 to 12. So, um, you know, 53 points total. But we were, they were still nine and a half under uh, the, uh, the over-under set. So We finals, th- triple zeros on the clock. We have under 67 <laughs> and a half in Hawaii and Michigan to cash out a $15 oh, bet for $200 in I think something that truly does embody this podcast, because we got Georgia Tech, we got Hawaii and Michigan, we got Conference USA football. I think this truly embodies the spirit of this podcast. And and we will close off the night with Mississippi State and Arizona like a good a good college football fan would. So with triple zeros on the clock, you hit the under of Michigan and Hawaii, which is just awesome. One of the best days of college football I have ever experienced and I, I you know I, I love I, I love every week of college football every single time but you know as time has gone on I'm sure that you can probably realize that everyone can probably realize as time's gone on I have grown more and more in love with football I have watched more and more football each year no matter what happens um, today I literally set aside my entire day I woke up at 11 o'clock because uh, I, 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 don't, I don't get off work until really late, you know, so I really don't go to sleep until 2 or 3 a.m., as you know. Uh, I woke up at 11 o'clock, immediately put all my stuff together, got ready with everything, bought pizza. I had everything together for me to just sit and watch college football all day, and I just finished my last game today, uh, keeping up with uh, Michigan and Hawaii, I guess, which was uh, the, the final of what was a very, very fun week of football altogether, and I am so excited for tomorrow because the Bengals win, my entire weekend, I'm going to like sit back and, and breathe for a minute because my entire weekend would have just been magical. 